good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees, their multicultural mess and secular scam. Thank you so much for joining me today, my friends. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. It is important for us to, to, uh, to enjoy and support one another. And I thank you so much for your support and listening to my program every single day. Um, Today uh, is post-Independence Day, and I hope you all had a great time wherever you, you all were. I spent uh, a lot of the day listening to uh, Shankar Mahadevan and some great um, other uh, Indian Hindustani mus- uh, musicians, classical musicians. And, um, you know, I, I love classical music. I love classical Hindi music. Uh, classical music, sorry, this is not classical Hindi. Uh, so the great Shankar Mahadevan, absolutely great uh, music. There is another uh, group, small, young group, it's a family, called Rishav Thakur. So if you've ever heard of Rishav Thakur, my dear friends, um, please do, uh, do, do go on YouTube and you'll see him. Uh, you'll see them absolutely great. I think they're brothers and sisters. I, I can't figure that one out, but they got millions of views. My goodness gracious me. It's my Tali Thakur and Rishav Thakur. So, um, yes, do, do to check them out. They are absolutely great. Some great Hindustani classical music. And, you know, classical is always fantastic. I'm not very pop. I'm not very Bollywood. Um, I'm more classical. Um... And yes, absolutely. So I do listen and I, I spend a lot of my day yesterday listening to this music. So thank you so much uh, to all the beautiful music on YouTube. And I hope that you enjoy yourself to listening to music, uh, whichever type of music you want to. Uh, today we want to do something on, um, on, um, on treatment of ex-Muslims. Okay? It is important to talk about this. There are many ex-Muslims in India, and some say up to 1.2 crore ex-Muslims. That's what? That is 20, 10 million, 12 million? And a crore is a million, if I'm not, 10 million, if I'm not mistaken. So about 12 million ex-Muslims. Hmm. I, I don't know if it's true or wrong, but there is an exodus going on. The ex-Christians too, my friends, and you're talking to one. So that's important to understand. Uh, but how do people treat ex-Muslims? Very, very bad. Okay, very bad. Their treatment is, is horrendous. It's as if they are the plague. And this happens all the time in our homes. Even in Abra- any home, someone who leaves, it's difficult to take. But uh, in Abrahamic homes, it's even worse. Because Abraham, uh, Abrahamic ideologies are supremacist ideologies. And they think that they are perfect. Everything is perfect. They are perfect. They love life. Um, and and they, Sorry, they love themselves. It's a very condescending ideology. All three of them. Uh, not to say that the people are bad. I'm not talking of the people. I'm talking of the ideology. Very important. Uh, it's important to note that we, we do not violate. We're not here to violate or, 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 um, or degrade any human being. We are here to challenge the idea. And we can challenge an idea. And they're very condescending, uh, very supremacist ideology. So the moment people leave, that means something is not right and they're not, they not accepted by everyone. And they think it's a... It's a no. I mean, it's a given. T- it's, a, it's a given that the moment you open one of their books, you, you'll glorify it. So, yes, absolutely. 
it is important uh, to to know that uh, we a lot of us are leaving, and ex-Muslims are very badly treated. Now, whatever they do afterwards, whether they become atheists, change religions, it's not my business. The thing is, um, you cannot violate or kill a person who, uh, who or, or you know, um, threaten a person. Um, if he doesn't want to follow your religion or challenge it and ideology, but they are so badly treated. Now I'm going to put a video link onto my Facebook page because um, this is an ex-Muslim from, I think from the Arab world. He's an Arabic speaking person. He was a Salafi before. Okay. I think his name is X. His name here. Um, just let me go back to my page over here. Um, his name is Ahmad, ex-Muslim Ahmad. He, I'm going to put a link there, and he's a, a, he was a Salafi Muslim, and now he's become Christian, and he, you know, does Christian theology. Um, and he debates all ideas. He has spent twenty odd years in Islam, and obviously, as a Salafi, he says he's read six hundred books. That's a lot of books. Um, and look, he knows his religion, um, you know, inside out. Now, I know history up till a particular point. Um, I do know a little bit of theology, um, and I can debate ideas, general Abrahamic ideas on theology. I do know a lot of Islamic theology, but I'm not a specialist uh, in Islamic theology. You have to, you can be once you know the basis. You can be. But it's it's not easy. It's not difficult, but it's not easy. You have to read a lot of books, and obviously they're going to say, "Well, you don't speak Arabic. You don't do this." Uh, I can debate an idea, but definitely I I've not read six hundred books in Islamic theology, um, and so um, this guy, so he knows his his work inside out, and not only that, he's Arabic. Arabic speaking, his English is not that great, but uh, he does speak English, his YouTube channels are in English, and he is doing good work debating Islamic theology, which is very hard to debate. Uh, people like it, some people don't, but a lot of people, Muslims, come onto his channel, and the reason they come because they're very frustrated that, um, uh, very frustrated that this guy is, is, is talking about Islamic theology, which they believe is perfect. Um, but he knows how to take them on and he knows what to say, when to say, how to say. And there was this one person who he was debating, who is an Afghan, um, Muslim. Now she's got a very, I'm not going, I'm not going to go through her video because it's, it's, it's very demeaning. Okay. And I cannot talk about it here. I'm going to put a link onto my channel. Onto the onto the podcast, and uh, he's debating an Afghan Muslim, an Afghan who probably is uh, born brought up in the United States, and she's got an American accent, uh, but she is so and she so disgusting. Now she is um, a channel, she's a channel where um, she, she is a person who doesn't know. She doesn't speak Arabic. She says she speaks Arabic. She says she became Muslim at the age of 16. So she probably was born into Islam, but never really followed it. 
And then she sort of took the Shahada or retook the Shahada at the age of 16. And she was asked, why did you, why did you become Muslim or why did you take up Islam? Uh, again, I think he said again, I'm not sure. But he, he asked, he says, because it makes common sense and I got brains. That means everyone who doesn't follow your religion or ideology is, is brainless. Um, I, used, I used my brains. And she hated him. She's got no knowledge of Islam. And you could see, I mean, he's debating her on different topics. Uh, on, not different, but I didn't go to the whole thing because I was very insulted. Uh, she was so insulting, so ignorant. Most of these people who debate, who are insulting, have no knowledge of what they're talking about. That is a given. So the moment they heckle you, the moment they challenge you, the, the moment they use violence, you know one thing. They are ignorant, completely ignorant people. They have no basis whatsoever. And she was disgusting. She put her fingers in her nose. She put a finger in her ass. She showed her ass to the, to the, to the, to the camera. I mean, it was, the, as a Muslim, you don't do this. You're supposed to be modest. Whatever it is, you're supposed to be modest. First of all, she's not modest. She doesn't cover her hair. Uh, she pretends to be some, I don't know what. She insisted that this fellow Ahmad, uh, Ahmad um, calls um, the Prophet Muhammad, uh, Alam Habdul, uh, not Alam, um, Peace be on him. She wanted him to say peace be on him every time he used the word Muhammad and peace be on him uh, in Arabic. And he refused to say it. Uh, let me just tell you, if you watch the video, I don't know who she is, but she's an insulting, degrading person. Um, I know a lot of Afghans and they are very, very nice people, extremely nice people. Um, you might have a, a you know an exception to the rule, but Afghans are very very nice people, soft speak, spoken speak people. You can have a conversation with them, and they might not like what you say, but they'll have a conversation with you. Uh, they're very soft people, very very nice. Love to sing, love to dance. There's a lot of music. If you give an Afghan a, a gun, or you give an Afghan a musical instrument, an Afghan will take the musical instruments because Afghans like to sing. Afghans like to dance. They're very Persianized and and they really love life. They have a full joy of life, and that is so beautiful. Um, but this one is an insult to Afghanistan and she was she had no knowledge but she was heckling she told she told the Muslim Ahmad she knows the uh, the hadith she knows the hadith and he was lying now she's not a Salafi okay I'm not saying Salafis are the greatest people but this guy grew up in an Islamic Muslim family uh, practicing Muslim still practicing he says and um, look um, not only does he he uh, he was practicing he was a salafi so he knows his work inside out in arabic not even in some translated language um and 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 she was she had no knowledge of arabic she she told him he was a liar he showed the hadith and showed where it was it uh, you know what he was saying was right it was literal sahih sahih hadith uh, first tier hadith and and she says he's lying she showed he showed her the statement on, on al-bukhari which is one of the biggest um you know um reciters of the hadith the persons who wrote pe person who wrote the hadith down 
who uh, who took it all together. It was insulting. She said he was lying. Um, and he said, okay, um, I'm going to show you the Quran. So I'm going to talk about that Quranic verse, and that's most important. But I just want you to say, uh, to say on this point that it is, if you want to debate someone, you do not heckle. You do not call people liars. Um, you do not... Uh, you do not use violence. You do not insult. You definitely do not. Um, you do. You definitely do not um, put people. Um, you know, insult people. Uh, you're going to push them away. You're not going to engage in a conversation, and using any type of violence, imposing your truth on someone else, your interpretation on a, of an ideology on someone else is wrong, is violent in itself. And that's why Islam has so much of violence, because they do not allow you to have an opinion other than what the establishment gives you. And you have to follow it like a parrot, a complete parrot. Do not use your brains. You become weak. And when you become weak, they will use you. They will abuse you for sex slavery, um, for violence violence, for jihad, that's how you become a jihadi, that's how you become a sex slave, that's how you become, you, you can get raped by your own family members, by your own people, um, by your own society, by used by the mullahs, and that's why people are leaving. This person is the exact reason why people in religions are leaving, because they are condescending, they are um, stupid and they have imposed themselves as the leader of all thought uh, on everyone else and we have to not only submit to them but we have to submit to their ideology it is insulting uh, you do not insult and you do not um, you do not use violence anyway so it is important to protect people who are ex uh, who have left these religions because they go through a lot of trauma they go to a lot they have to pay a big price for it um, and it's very wrong extremely wrong so please protect them if you come across someone and do not use any violence or any way whatsoever so one of the things of topics of this conversation with the ex-Muslim Muhammad was a verse in the Quran. And I'm going to tell you why I'm taking this verse. It's verse uh, chapter 65, verse number four. Um, it's Surah Al-Talaq. Al, uh, Al and the verse four says, uh, 65 verse four says, and those who no longer expect menstruation from your women, if you doubt then their period is three months and for and also for those who have not menstruated and for those who are pregnant the term is until birth whoever fears allah uh, make he will make for him um make of him this matter of ease um this verse is talking about my dear friend sex okay intercourse uh, this verse is talking about intercourse. Um, basically, that's what it is. Uh, divorce and intercourse. So it, it starts with surah number one. It says, O oh, Prophet, when you divorce women, divorce them and um, and for their waiting period and keep count of the waiting period and fear Allah, your Lord, do not turn their hands out. Uh, 
do not turn them out of their hands, houses, nor should they leave unless they are committed to clear immorality and those who are limits, who are the limits of Allah and those who, whoever transgresses the limits of Allah, you certainly have wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we got verse number four and it talks about sex. Um, well, it doesn't speak about sex, I apologize. It, it, it's in the context of when you can have sex with someone or intercourse with someone. Uh, and so basically the word says, and for those who no longer you expect menstruation from your women, if you doubt any, if you doubt, then their period is three months. And uh, and also for those who have not menstruated, so basically they're talking about intercourse. Although they don't say it here, you will see if you if you go to the entire surah. Um, the most important part here is for those who have not menstruated. That means children below the age of menstruation, which could be anywhere from 15 years, 14, 13, 12, five-year-old children, you can have sex with a five-year-old child. This, my dear friends, is supposedly the word of God. Um, I, I knew about this verse before, but um, unfortunately, people have talked about it and glorified it. Um, Basically, it says for those who have not menstruated means absolutely you can have um, sex with anyone. So raping, this is rape. Of course, they don't use the word rape. And they say, well, there's not, you know, those Dava people say, you know, there's not one word rape in, in, the, in the Quran. Yes, because it's written in, 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 uh, in Arabic and they don't use the word rape. They use the word for those who have not menstruated. That means you can rape someone um, who has not menstruated a child. And this is the reason why people, more and more people are reading the Quran and they're leaving. When they leave, they become ex-Muslims. And when they become ex-Muslim, these pathetic people who are the bottom of the ladder, who are traumatized themselves, like the women on, on the channel, um, uh, you know, become infuriated that people use their common sense, use their knowledge and leave because it's insulting, absolutely insulting that you think that, uh, you know, I'm going God, I'm going to believe in a God that says, yes, a man can rape a child below, um, below um, the age of, uh, below the age of um, menstruation or puberty. I mean, that's rape right off the bat. So God is telling you, you can rape a child, literally. And, and it doesn't make any sense, N nor is it, um, not only it doesn't make any sense, it's insulting. It is trauma. And you understand now why um, we say that uh, Islam has raped their way through history because the Quran gives them the right to do it. Islam rapes, has raped its way through history. Islam has butchered its way through history. Islam has a deep history of sex slavery, uh, slavery, sex slavery, and that is important to say. And when, because we are cycle after cycle after cycle, we are currents and waves, those currents don't stop. If you do not undo the knot, if you do not have that conversation, if you do not um, disembark from the platform of uh, of this of this mentality. You're going to have it repeated upon yourself, and that's what exactly what happened to Banu, that Bilkis Banu in Gujarat, um, and this was brought up 
by um, Ovesi in Parliament. He he kept saying how our um, sisters, how our uh, Muslim sisters have been raped. He is the voice of Islam in in the Indian Parliament. Now he kept saying um, on a recent um, on a recent uh, talk, I think in in this session. Oh, how our sisters are being raped in India. Um, how our sisters are Bilkis Banu. No one cares about her. Uh, there's no humanity. The prime minister's not giving him any humanity. Uh, it is absolutely insulting because Islam has raped its way through um, through this. Um, Islam has raped its way through history and including the subcontinent from 711 AD. 711 AD and it hasn't stopped from Kashmir to North India to the to the Mughals to um, the Delhi Sultan Sultanate, the Bijapur Sultanate, all these Sultanates, all Tipu Sultan, not I wouldn't say Tipu Sultan, but the Razakars, the same Razakars whose political wing is now the All India Muslim Majlis Board, which uh, Ovesi is the president. All of those people, the pro- the problems they had in in uh in uh, Hyderabad, uh, the rape, the war, the uh the genocide that they had. What about the direct action there? We had the genocide in in Bangladesh, East Pakistan. Um, look, it's been horrible. A rape. A ra- a history of rape and sex slavery. It is insulting. So they're trying to portray in parliament the prime minister's bad, the Hindus are bad, the Hindus are raping Muslims, or the Hindus are doing this and the Hindus are that, but they have it in their own text, in their ideology, and they keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and repeating it, and then they say, oh, well, Muslims are bad, but my my religion is perfect. You cannot talk about my religion because your phobia, uh, why? Why will I have phobia? I mean, why would you have phobia? You're, you're reading the book. You're learning it. Oh, but you only want to read the bad parts. And why are there bad parts if it's perfect? Not everyone is perfect. Oh, yes, it's not perfect. So you have to cover the imperfections up by blaming everyone else for being, uh, for leaving, for become ex-Muslims, by blaming people for being Islamophobes and by going to parliament and lying that you care about Muslim women who are being raped because you yourself are Muslim because your ancestors were raped somewhere up the line. And because it gives you full power to rape women, you're staying in the religion. That's why you're staying there. That's the long and short of the story. You're not staying there because of anything. You're staying there because it gives you the permission to for power. Um, and, and this is the audacity of minorities. Not only are they condescending, um, arrogant, elitist, but they have a relics of we are a relics of empires. Not to say that the Christian empires have not done this. As a Christian and ex-Christian, I can tell you this has been the story of Christianity for two thousand years, or should I say, seventeen hundred years, um, and it has happened. So I'm not going to negate it and pretend to be some victim, but. But yes, um, absolutely, Islam has this huge problem. They lie about it, pretend to be minorities, pretend to be victims, pretend that the Hindus are fascists, um, go to parliament, lie, uh, lie about it on the new in, on the articles on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, and then spread the news around the world how the Hindus are killing them and raping them, and oh my God! But it's there in their own Quran, and it's there. Um, 
and it's there in Surah 65.4. And I, I, I want to bring this up to you because this disease of rape has become a normal occurrence in our country. Now, you say, well, oh, there's rape in other parts of the world. It's not only Islamic. Yes, that's right. Rape is about power. Rape is not about Hindu-Muslim. Rape is about power. And rape is an imposition of that power uh, on someone who is weak. So the moment you're weak, anyone will rape you. That includes your own family. Most rape starts at home. Rape starts at home and rape then goes out into the street. Uh, If you're weak in your home, you'll be weak in your streets. You will attract weakness. And a lot of these people who rape are also raped themselves. These boys and men who rape are also children of rape. And it happens again and again. But this has become institutionalized. It has gone on in this country for so long. Because it has gone on in a country, it has now become normal to talk. Uh, normal. It's become part of our normalcy. It's become part of our DNA. It's engraved in our DNA. And until we do not talk about it, like I said yesterday, it's important to have that conversation important to get it out we will not heal now all over now because of this uh, dark period in our history where we've been imposed this rape of our minds into the rape of our bodies we have now there are there it's about 50 percent of indian youth who are raped before the they reach the age of 18 it is Unbelievable if it's an epidemic, but it's only seen as a Hindu rape on Muslims, Hindu rape on the minorities. It is not seen as something that is institutionalized, and no one talks about it until they have to blame the BJP. But it's not the BJP is the problem, it's our mentality it's the problem, and also very important to say that uh, it is institutionalized. These institutions who have who have normalized rape as some religion, as some ideology, are behind this problem big time. Um, it has happened all through history. It's, uh, it's an occurrence of power. Um, and it, it's really, really horrendous crime that to happen. But we are currents and waves. And so you have to clean that ocean. You have to understand how it happens. Uh, and understand, empower yourself with knowledge. Uh, lose that uh, silence where you are um, forced to submit, lose the silence, empower yourself with knowledge, heal. And the moment you heal, you rise up slowly by slowly, you will heal. You you will avoid the transgressions in life and the issues in life. Uh, One of the and one of the outcomes of that is that you will leave these plantations like all these ex-Muslims are leaving, Christians are leaving. The reason why they're leaving is because they've, they've realized that this is, this is not God. This is man who's written this. It's absolutely insulting, um, whether it's for 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, or even today. It's insulting, and it's time you have that conversation and understand that next time t- someone talks about rape, they'll say, look at your ideology, look at your books. Um, it should not be done. It should not be there, but it's there, and it's what happened to this country for so long. It's a dark period in our history. It has to be discussed. It has to be offloaded, and we all have to heal 
together. Uh, on that note, I let you go. I thank you for your time. I'm going to put the link in, in, the, in the podcast and I hopefully that you will take a look at it and um, have that, you know, see for yourself how, uh, import, how disgraceful this person was. It's also important to say, please uh, protect all those who are leaving our plantations. It's very difficult to leave our families. It's very difficult to leave our homes and something that we are grown used to. And it's very difficult to start a new life. So it's important to help these people, give them your support uh, because they need it more than anything you do. They're doing a great service to the country and to the, to the universe and we have to support them. So on that note, I thank you for your time. I wish you all the best. Cheers and stay safe.